This episode was recorded via correspondence and may have some sound quality discrepancies. We hope you enjoy the content and look forward to bringing you more. If you look in and it's, you know, I go out twice a week and I have friends and whatever, it looks glamorous, but there's always something. And I think that's as I've had to learn that too, because I, I look at my life, I'm a disaster most of the time. Things are always going wrong. Dad's always like, Kate's life is a shit show most of the time because there's always something that I'm stuffing up. Hello and welcome to our listeners to episode three of Brain to Bar, where we sit down with some of our industry bosses as they share their first-hand experiences in applying mindset and brain strategies to bring themselves to the bar, that is in life, health or business. My name is Sophia and I'll be your editorial assistant today because we have an editor-in-chief in the house. I love that. I love that. My little editorial assistant. No, I think I think you're leading this one. You can well, be editor. I was going to say that she is the editor in chief of Strong Magazine Australia and journalist extraordinaire. Welcome to the podcast, wearer of many incredible hats, Caitlin Swallow. Wow! I just need you to like follow me around all the time and introduce me like that. I feel very special. Thank you. You're so welcome. You know what's really funny about what you just said is when I was working back at the Australian Institute of Fitness, we had like a presenter guy come in to teach us how to introduce people. And every time he came, after my first like go at introducing, he got me to introduce him every single time he ran a workshop there because it was. Oh, come on down, show host. It makes you feel so good. I'm like, yes, okay, I can conquer anything now. I'm pretty amazing. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Caitlin. I know it's a crazy time, so we appreciate your time today coming down to share your story with us. So before we crack into it, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're about. Wow. Well, thank you so much for having me, firstly. Um, I hope I can contribute in some way or form. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I never know when to start when people ask me my story, but I'm, um, I was originally, uh, grew up in the country and, and lived for a few years in Perth and I've been in Melbourne now for six years. Um, I have a master's of journalism from the university of Melbourne. Um, so I'm a journalist by trade and yeah, over the years, slowly, slowly worn a few different hats, been sort of across a lot of different industries, but uh, for, for the majority of it, I've been very lucky to work uh, within the health and fitness industry and um, in communications and journalism roles. So, um, yeah, I'm very lucky to now be editor-in-chief and shareholder in Strong Fitness Magazine Australia, which is a, a bi-monthly publication um, printed in, in Australia, originated in the US, but now printed in Australia, and, and I love it. So, yeah, that, that's me. So given that you have done so many things, you wear so many hats, it would definitely be a challenge in terms of mindset and making sure things are done and, you know, you'll be working two deadlines and how do you manage to juggle all of the hats at once? <laughs> I'm very lucky. So I guess I should probably update people as well as my role um, for Strong Fitness Magazine Australia. I also work full-time in communications for a university in Melbourne. And I also run my own freelance uh, media training and copywriting business for health and fitness brands. So yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm really busy. It's funny. I was, um, people often 
have concerns, which is lovely and shows the sort of uh, raising of awareness that has occurred in Australia and around the world about the importance of mental health. But a lot of my friends and family actually have expressed concerns about burnout and and sort of how many hats I do wear, which, you know, I think there's um, there's a lot of good intent in that. And I think there's a lot of um, sort of fair logic there as well. And it's something I'm very aware of. But it's, it's funny, ever since I was a little kid, I have loved to work. And it sounds really silly to a lot of people because they don't understand it, but I'm a very passionate person and I love to be busy. So um, I juggling all of my different hats, while it's difficult, it makes me feel good, which, <laughs> like I said, a lot of people don't understand. So I work for me is very empowering as a person. So I actually don't have to think or dread going to work very often. There's obviously bits of my each job that I don't like as much, but, but juggling the different um, aspects of my work is actually really enjoyable for me. Oh, I, I, I hear you sister. I'm exactly the same. Sometimes you get people who just thrive under pressure. You know, you give them lots of and they just rise to the occasion. So this is kind of like um, a really good segue, you know, into other than the the passion, like obviously not everyone's passionate about everything, but um, when you do have a passion, it makes it so much easier. Oh, I think that's I think that's a massive thing. And you know, I think um, it was something a lot to do with how I was brought up as well. So I can imagine that if I was in doing any role that wasn't enjoyable for me I would definitely struggle to do it I have had roles in the past where I haven't been happy and I haven't been enjoying what I'm doing and it used to struggle to get to work and balance balance pressure and deadlines every day you really if you're not enjoying it so the way I was brought up was to find a profession that you're good at which I think is really important you've got to find something that you're reasonably good at you're always having to improve but find something where you have a base of talent and also just find something you really enjoy because my old man always used to say to me, he's like, Caitlin, there's no point going and being a clock watcher every single day and waiting for the time to tick by because then your whole life will flash before your eyes. And that was the best advice. I'm going to raise my kids exactly the same. doesn't matter how much money you make, do something you love. And then juggling all the deadlines and pressures is just a thousand times easier. 100% amen. Like if you enjoy it, you're going to do it well. Regardless, like if, if you don't like, if you try doing something you don't like and try and do it well and then do something you do like and do it well. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Let's um, bring it into your current kind of state of mind and work. What would you say is your biggest mental challenge day to day? I think probably actually learning to um, set time aside to do something other than work is actually day-to-day my biggest challenge so um I found that when I'm not working I tend to have a bit of anxiety and guilt around the fact I'm not working which is something I'm still trying to really work on um it's something that I've experienced for most of my life and I found difficult to change so that that belief that if I'm enjoying myself or, or sort of taking some time out that isn't work related that I, I have a lot of feelings of guilt about that and I, I feel like I should be doing something else. So, so that's probably my biggest challenge day to day. And um, I've just found different ways of sort of dealing with that. I've, I've learned that if I take that time out to go for a walk, 
it's a lot better than when I watch Netflix, for example, because there's something about the walking and the doing and still being active that really helps to clear my mind and bring my anxiety and, and stress levels down without feeling guilty about it. So that's just one little behavioural change that's helped me. That's really interesting, especially coming from someone who's always go, go, go. And if you get an opportunity to, to stop, you feel guilty about it almost. And I, I, I definitely relate to that. And what you, you're doing as in kind of, a, it's very self-aware in that you understand that doing something or a kinesthetic activity is what will, you know, move the anxiety away and um, allow you to recover and calm down. Because a lot of people who are very kinesthetic can't sit still i know it's um a characteristic when you do say put on netflix your hands need to be doing something so i don't know about you but when i watch tv i'm always either on my phone or eating i'm exactly the same and it's and also just when i'm working people and my dad used to go bonkers at me because i've been like this since i was a kid i always needed micro breaks so i would be studying and have the tv on or I'd be studying and I'd be text messaging someone. And it, I know, and you know, I've actually been in corporate situations where I've had to explain to my manager that me texting sounds so stupid, but it actually helps me work better. The distraction helps because I have the micro break. I finish the text message, I put it down and I go back to my work and I'm actually more engaged in the content. So I think, you know, that's not going to work for everyone. Other people really need to just put their phone away because distractions just do not help them they can't multitask they don't like it but I think there's a big lesson there about different ways of working um, different mentalities and finding something that works for you and not judging other people for how they work so unless that that work style is causing a problem in their life actually don't judge it because everybody is different Oh, you are right on the money. Actually, what you are describing is a specific technique that teachers use when we have students in our class that present with conditions like ADHD. We give them, and this is something that works for me as well, is that people who have a lot of ideas and their brains are kind of on all the time, giving them something to do with their hands or something that their brain can kind of use as a home base to focus on actually allows the brain to calm down and focus on the task that you're doing. So often in class, we would give like a stress ball to a kid who's a little bit um, all over the shop and they'll just be squeezing the stress ball. They might be looking at it and not actually looking like they're listening, but then you ask them a question and they've absorbed all the information. So it's almost like brains like ours need a, an anchor. Yes. Whether it's, you know, playing like, doing something with our hands that actually helps harness our focus into one area to allow our brains to absorb the information we need to absorb without getting external stimuli all the time and i think what you brought up as an example is exactly that it is a method of working it's a method of processing information for people that are quite heightened in their brain activity this is something that doesn't work for my husband He's a grounder. He grounds my hot air balloon <laughs> and he'll obsess with this one thing and then he'll put it down and he'll just do another one thing. Whereas I'm doing technically three things. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But really I'm focusing on one, but I've just got to, you know, this in the background. Yeah. I, I feel you. Amazing. Let's move into a little bit more about your personal experience. So can you give us like a, a phase or a moment in your life where you had to come to terms with the fact 
that you had to change a behavior. Like you noticed something was not working for you. And what was your process? How did you go about addressing it? <laughs> I um, you know, questions like this are funny because I've always thought of myself as one of those people that is, I actually am very self-aware of my behavior. So I actually am one of those people that go back and reflect and think about both negative and positive, you know, things about my personality, how I'm perceived, some of my behaviors, good and bad. And I have this ability to see the, and I could list them for you, which I won't today because I don't want your readers, to, your listeners to hate me, but all the bad things about me. But whether I can change the behaviours that's associated with them is a completely different story. I find behaviour change really hard, even if I'm aware of the problem. So, and I think that's something that a lot of people experience. Some people don't even reflect at all and don't have any awareness of their poor behaviour or, or, you know, unhelpful behaviours. Um, but I'm very self-aware, but I find the behaviour change really, really challenging to this day. So, um, Probably the biggest behaviour change for me, as I was sort of saying, do you, I, I'm a workaholic, I love to work. Um, movement for me, so exercising and dieting is completely different. I am actually an extremely lazy person, which is funny because I run a health and fitness magazine, but I'm an extremely lazy person when it comes to physical activity and I'm extremely sort of lazy when it comes to dieting. I just, I love my food. I just want to eat what I want. I love high fat kind of um, diets, whereas my body loves high carbs. So I'm sort of just the, I'm, I'm terrible at behavior change in those areas. So I think for me, the biggest behavior changes sort of came when I competed in the WBFF um, a few years ago because it just took a total mindset change and behavior change in order to reach that goal and it just totally flipped everything I was doing on its head and it had to be prolonged it was prolonged for over six to seven months of prep because I didn't prep for 12 weeks like a lot of people I prepped for a very long time so I think that would be the most significant behavior change I've ever had to really achieve in my life to be honest that would have been a huge change. You are aware that when it comes to exercise nutrition, that you're a little bit, you know, less go, go, go than in your work. It would have been a, yeah, a, a battle, I would say. Do you remember any kind of emotions or feelings or how your body actually felt going through this comp prep, knowing that it's the complete antithesis to your natural behaviour? Yeah, I think it was, it was, it was funny because looking back for me what got me through it was a mindset around this isn't a choice so when I wake up every single morning and I work you know often 10 hours a day seven days a week up sort of up to 10 hours a day seven days a week I really don't view it as a choice I have jobs to do I have deadlines um, for multiple clients and for multiple businesses that I'm employed by I don't really see working as something that I have a choice about. I just, and I, I enjoy it and I love it, but I don't sit there and I'm an R about going to work because I've, I need money. I need to pay my rent. I need, you know, so I have all these reasons to do it. And, but it's not even, I don't even contemplate it because it is not a choice for me. It's something I have to do. I think that getting me through my comp prep 
for some reason, I was able to, during that time, to think about it as something I just had to do. I didn't have a choice about what I was going to eat that day because I had a plan. I didn't have a choice about going to the gym because I just had to go to the gym. So it was, it was an interesting thing. Like, I don't know, emotions-wise, it was sort of a massive roller coaster for me because I probably didn't enjoy aspects of it. But at the time, I needed that distraction for my life, which probably wasn't overly positive, but it did just, it did achieve that. So emotionally, it was sort of a really up and down thing. But I, the biggest, in hindsight, the biggest issue for me was actually around the fact that, and what actually allowed me to change behavior was having no choice about it. It was just no choice. That's a really interesting kind of perspective because you hear a lot of competitors say like, you know, you made this choice. This is, so it's your responsibility to do this, da, da, da. but switching it and making it part of this is something I have to do and taking that perspective as you know your coach is giving you your nutrition plan giving your training you don't have to think about it but this is what you need to do add it to a task um, your daily tasks for instance is actually one method that a lot of um, I think many people could use I use this very similar mindset in that it's it's not just me doing this hobby out of choice I have to do it raised the stakes, made this part of my working schedule. Yes, I need to work to make money to pay my bills. Yes, I need to train because I need to, my body to be strong. Yes, I need to eat so my body can recover. And it becomes task, not recreational. It takes all the emotion out of it because I'm no good when I'm emotional. I, and I know that about myself. I am, this is why I have been single for 29 years because, because emotion as soon as I get emotional about something I lose the plot I just I don't think logically I don't necessarily think um strategically or or with you know I I behave in ways that are really not helpful and I totally understand that I find that very difficult to change about myself but it is how it is so as soon as I take emotion out of something, and you can't take emotion out of relationships, so that's why that just that whole area of my life is just a bit of a disaster. But in Korea, and when I was doing bodybuilding, and when I was doing, um, when I was prepping, taking the emotion out of it, that made really, really. It's why you know a lot of people think about um, talk to me about having a why. And I totally get the premise of it. I understand it's really helpful for people. But having a why for me is just, it's sort of, it's just this, I, I, just, I don't really understand it because everything I do needs to almost be on autopilot for me to do it properly. Having a why just doesn't sit well with me for some reason. It, it doesn't, I don't really understand it. I don't think I understand the whole concept of it because I just do everything on autopilot and, and, a why is like still having a choice. Whereas everything I do, I like to not have it. I feel, I like to feel if I don't have a choice about it, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's a really tough thing because in the industry now, especially on social media, like mindset techniques and behavioral change, it's become almost like fad. It's, they've become like mindset has become a fad word. It's everyone uses it now, you know, it's, you know, it's just your mindset change and it's almost <laughs> to the point where 
it's so simple. Just change your behavior. You can't just tell someone to change their behavior. It's yes, we can educate on the concept of behavioral change, but it's not, it's not a flick of the switch. It's a rewiring of the electrical, you know, conduits, everything we need to maybe build, put in a new socket somewhere to connect to this. It is, it is tough. And this is the way that you have taken the information, interpreted it, and then created something that suits your hardware. And that's something a lot of people don't realize has to happen. And the only way you can adapt a way of thinking to suit your hardware is if you understand your hardware, how is it already wired and picking your battles. And I think for the most of it, this is why, you know, career wise, you have been and are still very successful in that um, frame is because you have found a way that works for you. You've picked your behaviors that you needed to change and you've left the behaviors. You kind of, you know what, this is not a battle I need to fight. I can adjust. What's really interesting that I want to actually focus on now is the aspect of the taking the emotion out of your task, which is helping lead the task. But how is that impacting on your mental health? Because we know that mindset and mental health are two different concepts, but relate and influence each other a lot. Talk us through a little bit about your ideas around how you manage your mental health. Yeah, like I said, I I think I'm just very lucky in that I, I really enjoy my work. I really enjoy working and keeping busy. It makes me feel important and empowered as a woman and as as a career person so to me yeah I sort of good mental health for me is actually working and so many people judge that and I totally understand why because it comes from a good place and it comes from a place of concern but you should see me when I'm not working if I don't work like I people just look at me they're like you're a different person I'm deflated I just don't feel good about myself I lose all self-confidence I feel lose all self-worth so my put a lot of my um and there's problems there because if you ever did lose my job and if I ever did sort of move away from my career I would feel you know less of me but you know other people place that in a partner for example or they place it in their friends or they place it in their possessions I happen to place mine in my career and I'm trying as I move through my life to diversify the streams a little bit, you know, to diversify where I'm gaining happiness from. So I think managing my mental health is working, but it's also, um, you know, I like to just keep working the way I am and to keep trying to push forward with my career. But I also try to spend at least one day, one to two days a week, I go out for dinner. I have a chat with a friend on the phone at the moment because I'm not going out for dinner, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, I sort of, you know, I have a glass of wine with a girlfriend and, you know, I, I think definitely keeping that balance in has been really important. And like I said, I think managing my, my mental health, and it's very cliched, but trying to keep up some normalcy um, with writing and, I'm um, sorry, with, health and fitness and training, I think it's been really, really important. At least, at least sort of, you know, walking down at the beach or whatever it is, I think just clears my mind and helps me manage a lot of those competing issues. I love that. I love the idea of diversifying your strengths. Yeah. Which is, which is a concept I've learned this year, you know, the importance of, you know, with this whole coronavirus issue that I'm not going to talk about at length, but 
there's been a lot of businesses that have just realized that, you know, if, if something like this does happen, which is a once in a lifetime thing, so nothing like this will hopefully happen again, fingers crossed, but they had one income stream and once that was shut off to them, they were like, oh my goodness, I've got to actually find other ways to make money and adapt to this current situation. And that's what I think I'm trying to do in my career at the moment. I've got all my eggs in one basket and I am slowly trying to find ways to make myself happy in other ways in case that that particular income stream was was shut down. So yeah, it's a work in progress. I don't have a lot of tips for people, but I think if people just sort of start thinking about that, I've just, I've made sure I've set time aside, scheduled time aside each week to, you know, talk to friends, check in, I go out for dinner, I schedule, I schedule that in at the start of my week. So that just like a business business thing that I would get meeting, I'd schedule in. I schedule in my friends and I schedule in time with others. So I think it's really important. Especially now, very important that we start to, you know, diversify our, our self-care and emotional um, streams because a lot of us, um, hopefully all of us are self-isolating and we're stuck inside or in a, the same place with maybe a lot of people and I think it's really important to understand that no matter where you are in your life in your career successful uh, progressing we're all working on something whether it's ourselves our relationships our brains our careers there's always something that needs a little bit of fine-tuning and it's hard all at once isn't it it's really hard oh my god it's so hard and this is the thing like I you know I have a couple of friends that are always if you look inside to my life you know I live in an apartment a beautiful apartment apartment in Port Melbourne and I have you know three jobs that I absolutely love two of which I've helped build from the ground ground up I'm highly educated but if you look in and it's, you know, I go out twice a week and I have friends and whatever, it looks glamorous, but there's always something. And I think that's, as I've had to learn that too. Cause I, I look at my life, I'm a disaster most of the time. Things are always going wrong. Dad's always like, it's Kate's life is a shit show most of the time because there's always something that I'm stuffing up. Like I'm trying, I mean, currently in the process of moving, moving back to Perth for family reasons, back to my home state after six years in Melbourne, I decided to try and move home during a pandemic. Like, who does that? Who does that? How does that even happen to one person? But Dad's like, this is just Caitlin. I'm not even surprised. She always makes decisions at the totally wrong time. Anyway, I, it's, it's one of those things. And, and my relationships, sort of my romantic relationships, are one area that I'm an absolute disaster. And I look at other people that have these wonderful relationships and they can get boyfriends at the drop of the hat and they can find partners and have babies and do all these things that at 29, I'm kind of, I would love to do that if I could find that. I can't, I haven't found any success in that area. So I think it's really important. It's so, and again, it's so cliche to talk about people saying, don't compare your lives and all these things. And, and it's great advice, but we all compare our lives. I don't care what people say. It's if it's a human trait, of course, you're going to compare and contrast. I think it's just about um, sitting there and going, okay, the, the way I deal with it anyway for my own mental health is I sit here and look at my life and look at all the amazing things in it that I'm so grateful for. 
but I actually start thinking about how I'm perceived. So I go, how do you think, how, how do you think people perceive you, Caitlin? And sometimes I'll even write it down. So I'll, I'll sort of list all the, all the good things that they probably perceive and, you know, some of the negatives too, because I think that says a lot about you as a person as well. But then I go, okay, but look at all the, look at all the things that they've missed. Romantic relationships is probably one of the things that they've missed. And then I think, okay, that's probably how other people's lives are too. So the perfect life on Instagram probably isn't the perfect life. There'll always be some sort of issue there. And I think that gets me through a little bit as well. This is exactly what you just said is probably one key reason why I decided to start this podcast is to, because, you know, as much as we use, say, Instagram to promote more positive ideas and perspectives, it's just feeding the comparison. You, you know, you're going to put up a photo and you're going to, it's, it's an invitation to compare regardless of what we say in the caption. And unfortunately, yeah, this is going to be, it's human nature. The way we are is we'll see something and we'll want it. We don't have it. We want it. We want to progress. Grass is greener, right? Grass is always greener. It's sort of, it's such a, it's, I know people want to blame social media and, and different forms of media for these things. And you know what? It's definitely the studies that have shown that it's, it can agitate the problem. But this is something that's always been part of our lives at the same time. You know, you always, I don't think I've ever sat in a role and, want, and not wanted more. So even in my career where people consider me successful, I think, and I, I think I'm, I'm very proud of my achievements. I'm a very proud person. But I've worked really hard and I've never, ever, even now, I never sit and go, okay, I've done, I've done really well. I'm really happy. I'm always wanting more. And that's part of striving and that's what makes me successful because I've, as soon as you're sitting and you're complacent, to me, you have failed. So I don't think, you know, people strive. I was actually talking to my, um, our digital editor at the magazine, Ange, and I hope she doesn't mind me bringing her into this, but I was saying this to her yesterday, how her and I often have these, we're very close friends and we're colleagues, but we're very close friends. And we also, we often have these conversations about the perfect life and things that are missing. And we, you know, we're here, but we want this and we want this and we want this. I don't think that will ever stop. I can't see, even if I had, you know, the husband and three kids and a house and all the money in the world and, and the great job that I love, I, I'll never be a hundred percent content because I feel like that, I associate that with failure. You should always be striving for more, in my opinion. So, yeah, it's, it's a funny thing because people are comparing and contrasting and wanting all these different things. But even if you got it, you'd want something else. So it's just, it's an unhelpful mind frame, I think, to be, to be in all the time. Having said that, though, I am a little bit of a lazy person. It's funny because my dad is putting the behaviour and... Like he, he's always like, I'm my dad's daughter. Like me and my dad have very similar behaviors and he's very much a talk the talk, but doesn't walk the walk. Yeah, he's Greek. He will tell me, you know, the Greeks this, and then he just sits at home. Yeah. I've made it kind of my business. I do exactly the same thing as you. I will, if I'm in a bit of a slump myself, I will sit down and just, you know, I will list the things, how someone would perceive me. What three things to describe me positively and maybe three things that I can work on. And for like the last five, six years, I have been desperately working on walking the walk because I can talk the talk all I want. Um, and the walking the walk is the hard bit. And 
That's, yeah. and that's, I think the process of changing a behavior, because I knew inside this was an innate behavior. This is something that if I didn't have someone to just kick me up the butt, I would just sit down and coast and, you know, be complacent. And it won't be until someone goes, so get up. And once I've got a task, I'm soaring. You can't stop me. So it was one of those things where I went, all right, let's see how we, how we do. And it was only recently, actually, you mentioned um, like social media and, you know, blaming social media. We shouldn't blame it at all. It's, it's something that we just naturally do. Social media, like you said, agitates it. It exacerbates it. It brings it out a little bit more, but it's up to us to kind of look introspectively and go, okay, is this conducive to, you know, what I want to be like? What do I need to do? And I actually made this decision at the start of the year to ch completely change my social media. Yeah, it's nice to have nice pictures of yourself. Why not? If, if it makes you feel good, go for it. But if it's not true to who you are, if what you're saying is not true, if you don't feel comfortable, it's a different, that's where social media can be a little bit fluffy. So I completely agree with you in that aspect. And I love, I love that you have these conversations with your mates. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it, I think it helps, you know, I think when you're thinking, when you're talking earlier about how do you manage your mental health, I think those, even if they're just twice a week, those catch-ups with Ange on a personal level with a glass of wine are so important for my mental health because it, it takes, I'm one of those really busy brain kind of people, you know, as you can probably tell, I'm on the go a lot. I think a lot. I'm very introspective. I, I think a lot about other people and about myself and how I'm perceived. And, you know, having all these thoughts in my head all the time, people tell me to journal. And I'm all for journaling. I totally understand that it's super important. I also am really time poor and I write all day for a living. The last thing in the world I want to do when I get home is get out and write more. I just couldn't think of anything worse. Like, and I know, I understand the benefits. I've looked at the studies, I get it. And people are going to hate me for this. But journaling for me is more work. I'm just like, yeah, great. I get to work some more. So what works for me is talking it out. And, you know, you need a friend like Ange, who's just the most beautiful human being in the world. And so I was saying to someone the other day, she is the most empathetic person, genuinely empathetic person I've ever met. And I, I, like, I've met so many different people with so many different walks of life. She's genuinely the most empathetic person. She will think every action she takes, she will sit there and she will think, okay, if I say this to them or if I do this, it might impact them in this way. Therefore, I might wait to talk to them about this issue because I know they'll feel this, this and this and then they'll behave this way. Like she just thinks 10, it's a skill. She thinks 10, 10 sort of steps ahead to how that will impact that person, which is such a rare trait. I don't have it. She has it in spades. So find yourself an Ange who will listen to you. <laughs> Listen to you no matter, no matter. I know. I was like, she's just start charging. She's like a therapist, but better. Um, and she just, she would just listen to me. And she, she handles me in such a way that she's very empathetic. She doesn't try to say, okay, do this, do this, do this. She's just very, um, she's, she doesn't try to instruct. Or, and she doesn't try to say, oh, don't feel that way. Because you're feeling that way. What, yeah, she sort of validates how I'm feeling. And she gives her a piece of herself and sort of compares it and says, yeah, I totally understand how you feel. That is the best thing for my mental health is just having someone listen to me 
and understand why I'm feeling the way I am. And then doesn't try to fix it, just listens to it. So I think it's really important that, like I said, I've had a lot of people judge how I look after my mental health, but I don't think you can ever judge another person. All you can do is go, this is what works for me. Maybe give it a go. You give it a go. And if it doesn't work for you, great. If it does work for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, move on to something else and try something different and just always be trying different ways of, of looking after yourself is what is my opinion anyway. Uh, journaling, yes, I've tried it too. I'm not a journaler. I was when I was 12. That was horrendous. I actually found my grade six diary. Oh, you don't want that. You don't want to, you do not want to see that. Maybe I'll start another podcast and like read it. <laughs> <laughs> that actually makes me cringe and it's not even me but no, yeah. no I, I, understand that. I think you've done a really great job in identifying how it is that you're that you work your preferences and that you know your job is to write so maybe it's not going to help you you know calm down you need to kind of remove yourself what's something that you don't do as much in your like in your job what is something that you know brings you a bit of happiness and having someone that are you sure she's not like a secret like other psychologist <laughs> to be like you know a wall that can understand as opposed to just a wall yeah exactly and actually understand and then not and then not judge it just be like that's okay like the worst thing you can do for me is not validate like I was trying to say to someone, if someone's going, and it comes from a good intention, but if I'm saying I feel this way and I'm really upset about it and someone says, oh, but you shouldn't feel that way, or you should, you know, it'll be okay, that's not helpful for me. It'll be okay is not helpful. Are you God or are you, you know, do you have a crystal ball? Like no one can say it'll be okay and know that. It might not be okay, you know. Things happen all the time where things aren't okay. That to me is not a helpful statement. The best thing about Angie is she just listens and goes, you know what, that is such a shitty situation, Caitlin. That's a horrible way to feel. Totally understand why you feel it. Let's keep talking about it. And I think that's actually a lot more helpful for me. So I think, yeah, find yourself an Anne. She's amazing. She's got no tra formal training, but you know, she find you, she's great. She's a great paid friend. I might have to start paying her. That's that's actually a really good point you bring up. A lot of people, especially in our climate right now, there is a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of um, you know, triggers that are out there in their environment for mental health issues. Sometimes, or actually I'll say many times, when someone is in the midst of feeling anxious, comments like, you know, it'll be fine, you'll be fine, oh, it's okay, the dismissive kind of comment, they're not helpful in the slightest. Yes, dismissive's a good word. Um, therapists actually recommend people do in if you do notice someone is experiencing anxiety or wants to talk the whole idea is to listen sometimes they're not looking for a response you need to be able to just listen to how what they're saying and sometimes they don't want a response and I actually um, got this advice the other night from um, my sister-in-law who is a psychologist and she was saying that Oftentimes there are awkward silences once the person has kind of finished verbally expressing it. And she says that those awkward silences are actually often the best thing to happen. It's okay to have an awkward silence where it, we're, not ex, we're not 
you know, superhuman, we're not expected to fix other people's problems. And that's okay. And being aware of that fact that you probably don't have the power to fix this person's problem. No. But what you can do is let them sit in it for a while. If you have nothing to say, don't say anything. Just let awkwardness because it's yep. good for them and they're they're feeling probably a bit better about the fact that you haven't replied you don't listen to respond you listen to listen and if you feel like saying something she actually said it's much better to go you know what that actually sucks that's not okay or you know actually listening to them and agreeing with them if it is a sucky situation why would you sugarcoat <laughs> exactly. it and be like oh it should be fine tomorrow sleep on it <laughs> yeah it's just it's not helpful for me whereas other people that would be really helpful for maybe i don't know i some people are just really overly positive people and they need someone just to be like it'll be okay but it's just not helpful for me unless you have a what unless you have logical reasons why it's going to be okay don't talk to me. I don't know. Because you are a task-oriented person. We've taken the emotion out of it and we've given a specific directive. This is what's happening, Caitlin. Exactly. Oh, yep, exactly. sweet. Put it in my diary. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think it's why I always, you know, I'm a creative person and I've, I've, I actually have a lot of emotions. I'm sort of a very emotional person, which a lot of people don't realise because I remove them from anything that's semi-important to me that's why i have to date men i date a lot of men that are very very logical human beings because otherwise there's all these emotions and i don't know how to deal with that and i don't know how to you know it's not helpful for me i actually need men that are very um logical and they can give me sort of when i talk to them about these things i i don't need a partner that's going to hug me and be like everything's going to be okay I actually need a man that goes it's going to be okay because of a b c and give me logical reasons does that make sense like and a lot of my friends are the same my really close friends are not these overly positive overly positive mentally sort of you know meditating all the time or really airy fairy they're actually very logical humans and I, i'm friends with them for that reason because that's what suits me so yeah i think finding a social network that suit you and that understand you is also really important to mental health no matter what you're doing in your life or where you see success Oh, that's great advice. I was actually, the next question was going to be, what is your biggest tip to <laughs> get your to the bar on rise to the occasion? And if you have something else, I will let you <laughs> give us that tip. Um, but I think that one, I'd, I'd take it and run. That is a great tip. And it's also um, really important to note that because you've identified the, your foundational behaviour and what your preferences are, you've been able to go, I'm okay. I accept the way I am. And meditation doesn't work for me. Sitting still and breathing doesn't work for me. I am okay with how I process things. So I'm going to find a network that I can relate to. And those are the people that are going to help you change behavior if you need to in the way that you prefer to do it as opposed to, you know, emotional airy fairy types. Yeah. Which is great for people that do respond to that, but some people just don't. And I think it's really, I applaud you for not only identifying this in yourself, but also accepting that and going, this is who I am and this works for me and this doesn't. And I think that's probably my biggest, you know, you're asking what my biggest tip is. I guess it's kind of bundling up everything I've said today 
and going like what you said at the very, I think very start of this podcast is, is I think you said something around picking your battles. No person is going to be perfect. Um, There's a lot of things you can change about yourself, but I think some behaviors are ingrained in who you are and you're never going to change them. No matter how much you hate certain things about yourself, you're never going to be able to change them. So I have just learned over time to embrace certain aspects of myself, like that I'm that I am emotional, but I can take it out of the things I care about. The fact I'm I need to be around people that are logical, and I've sort of picked the things about myself that I would like to change, and I am changing. And I've gone. There's other parts of me that are just who I am, and so I've learned to accept it, and I've just tried to make the best of that situation. So definitely pick your battles you do not need to be perfect in every way and what works for some people like journaling like meditation you do not want to see me meditate I just end up an even more a bigger mess than you've ever seen in your life I just sit there and I just sit there and think more I'm like if you tell someone like me to not think or to you know think about it and let it float away I'm like mate they're not floating it's just like having tabs open in a computer the tabs are open because I'm sitting there thinking about them I was like, this is terrible advice. Like, do not let me meditate. Um, but find what works for you, right? Like, I, you know, instead of meditating, my form of meditating is listening to music and walking down the beach and going for an hour walk. Different person when I come back. So just don't let, you know, listen to everyone, listen to the, the strategies that help them, but also be aware that those strategies might not work for you. That's beautiful advice. <laughs> I could any ovation right now, but my bum's asleep. Oh, thanks. <laughs> this podcast being great for my mental health. I felt very, you know, you're very supportive, Sophie. <laughs> you're very like, just, everything you say is just very, yeah, just very. Um, I felt good about myself. Whole podcast. I'm so glad to hear that, guys. <laughs> and you're gonna feel good about yourself at the end. Of the That's it. <laughs> Amazing. So, so much info in that one conversation. I. I hope our listeners, like I, I highly recommend sitting down, getting a pen and paper, if you are a writing person and just dot point, <laughs> you're just, you know, a kinesthetic person, put something in your hand while you're listening or, you know, you need to do to allow the information to settle because we've had a lot of topics discussed. And as much as I would, you know, I know both of us, we could just keep yarning on for <laughs> Um, but I'm we are talkers, aren't we? <laughs> oh my goodness, two talkers in a podcast. Yeah, and this and this is sober too. You should see me with a glass of wine. I'd just be here all night, just chatting. You'd be like, okay, Caitlin, enough. A wine and wine night where wine is <laughs> about things. Oh my gosh, I love that idea. Let's set it up every weekend. Let's not record it though, because things could get weird. But and let's just not write anything down while we do it, and that's great. Um, so. Let's bring it back to um, you. Have you got anything um, happening at the moment, projects in the works, or are we taking some time off? Give us a little bit about what you're doing next. Um, so I'm moving back to Perth, so that's going to be a big project in the works. I'm currently, you know, trying to fit six years into three suitcases, so that's been pretty stressful. <laughs> but, um, no, I think, look, I'm will obviously eventually be moving on from my university job um, and looking for new opportunities to sort of grow myself um, in my career 
in Perth, I'm sort of, I'm trying, trying to take a little bit of a step back and, and hopefully find a position that's less than full time. So I can um, start working on strong a little bit more in my own business a little bit more. So slowly um, delving into that, that aspect of my life a little bit more, but um, yeah, just a lot of change happening this year and, and the world is just upside down and I, there's a lot of change anyway. So it's probably the, like my father said, the worst timing in the world, but, um, for even more change, but at the same time, it will be interesting to start, see where I'm at sort of next year, early next year and just see all the different changes. I think we just really want to keep growing strong fitness magazine, Australia, um, to be this really helpful resource that with diversified streams sort of, you know, really enhance our digital, digital arm and, um, sort of get, get more and more marketing research happening so we understand exactly what people are looking for as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of projects with Strong that we're really excited to announce very soon, so stay tuned. Oh, so excited, especially in this, you know, upside-down world. Not all of us can walk on our hands, so going to waddle around. But, yes, I will post a link on the description. Check out Strong Magazine Australia. They're doing some amazing things They've got some really great content that they're putting out there in everything from physical fitness, strength to mental strength. Um, I absolutely love the anecdotes and the stories that are being shared as well. So if you do love um, that kind of holistic strength, you want to work on yours, you want to help someone else, get onto Strong Magazine, uh, Strong Fitness Magazine Australia. I'll link the Instagram and the website on our description so you can go straight there. Um, have you, keep your wine or your tea or your coffee that you've got right now and just start reading. It is, yeah, absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for spending time with us today. Um, we really appreciate having you on and hopefully we can catch up later in uh, later on in the future and see how you're going in Perth. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and actually been very enlightening. I've sort of, it's sometimes good to just talk to someone else and reflect on how far you've come. So thank you. Oh, so welcome and my pleasure. It was absolutely a, a blast for me as well. So guys, stay tuned um, to the Instagram for more special interviews and storytelling with our next couple of guests. But for now, stay fit, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep that smile on your dial.